You still foolishly consider yourself an entity separate from the whole. But I know better. And I will show you. The Ancestor. Welcome to Navi Tales. I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we are tackling Darkest Dungeon, or as I've been calling it, The Ancestor. <laughs> yeah. Because this, we're just going to talk about The Ancestor from Darkest Dungeon. Uh, at the top, I want to shout out a Reddit user who helped. Uh, Darkest Dungeon's lore is a little bit um, theoretical. Yes. There's certain things we can say for a whole, but a lot of it's very theoretical, so I went to Reddit for it. There's a Reddit user by the name JSF Phoenix, spelled with an F, on Reddit, who uh, did a bunch of posts about Darkest Dungeon lore. So I was able to go through those and figure it out. <clears throat> but yeah, that was super helpful for me. Uh, and, I, and I wanted to give a shout out at the top. Credit where credit is due. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's begin with what we do know and what we arguably know most about, which is the ancestor or narrator, whatever you prefer to call him. Little is known about the ancestor's past or his family, only that he is descended from a long line of nobles who held high positions of the noble hierarchy. They had armies of loyal soldiers to defend their land, and they were unbelievably rich. It is believed that the ancestor was born in the manner like his ancestors before him. We don't know how his childhood was, only that in his younger years, the ancestor was liked, even beloved, by the people of the hamlet. Whenever he could get away from the nobility of the courtyard and their unbridled hedonism and lavish and refined debauchery, he would walk among the common folk, raise a glass in the tavern, and drink with those he considered to be better than those who claimed to be of noble blood. While his kindness and generosity towards the common folk made him some kind of town hero to some, for the ancestor, it was only a small respite and temporary escape from his duties to uphold his family name in societal stature. There was even a young homeless village lass who had a crush on the ancestor and followed him everywhere he went. While he originally found it charming, he could not accept her affections, for he knew that she would not be accepted by the upper echelons of society due to her low birth and his own status with the nobility would come into questioning. Every single time he had to return and socialize with the vile denizens of the courtyard and partake in the degenerated activities and entertainment, he felt his own sanity and patience dwindling with the aristocrats and their debauchery and depravity disguised underneath a thin veneer of sophistication and ridiculous powdered wigs. During a lavish party he was hosting at his manor, the ancestor met a woman of almost unearthly beauty. While all other guests were bewitched by her beauty, Though outwardly urbane, the ancestor could sense something was not right with her and that she was a threat. Driven half mad by cloying vulgarity and dwindling patience for his fellow aristocrats, the ancestor plotted to rid himself of this lurking threat and a grand display of sadistic sport. When they were dancing underneath the moon and the ancestor was just moments away from murdering the countess, a ray of light from the gibbous moon revealed her inhuman desires and all of their saltifying hideousness. You know, I got to give a shout out uh, to some of these big words because uh, I so I grabbed some of these directly because they're they're great and, and the descriptions are really fun. I fit, Except I for the like... fact that they can't spell fucking from. <laughs> I feel like they fit the game well. They do. That's why I kept them because it's very darkest dungeon. The morbid encounter resolved itself in the ancestor's favor, and with the countess laying decapitated on the cold stone floor of the terrace overlooking the ancestral manor's gardens. 
With adrenaline still rushing through his veins, the ancestor watched the woman with silent awe and horror as a morbid and poorly thought idea creeped into his mind. For years, he was forced to partake in the degenerated activities and the entrainment of the vile denizens of the courtyard to uphold his family name. For years, he has watched as their disturbing diversions become worse with each year. The aristocrats and the nobles of the courtyard were the worst kind of humans in his eyes. The Baron, a hunchback fiend who, uninvited, started orchestrated entertainment at parties, various performances so filled with cruelty, depravity, and debauchery that it disturbed the ancestor greatly. The Viscount of Ravenous Gourmand, with an unhealthy and vile appetite, continues to devour everything he could find, even as the once fine feast turns into a putrid slurry. He could have stopped them, but weight of upholding his family name and societal stature with these horrid excuses of human beings forced the ancestor to lower his standards to their level, and eventually he became slave to his own appetites, and any restraint would have rendered him a hypocrite and outcast. For years, these bloodsuckers have been leeching off his family fortune and good name, and now he was going to get revenge by pursuing degeneracy in its most decadent forms. Instead of quietly disposing of the Countess then and there, the ancestor dragged the unconscious vampiric temptress to the manor's wine cellars. There he hanged her from the ceiling and then began to drain and collect her blood like a pig being drained before the slaughter. Then he began to mix the blood with the vintage wine stored within the manor's wine cellars until all the barrels and bottles of the house vintage was tainted by the blood. Why the ancestor did that, we can only guess. Maybe the encounter with the vampiric temptress had finally broken whatever sanity he had left. Maybe socializing with degenerated nobles and partaking in degenerated activities and entertainment may have rubbed off on him. Or maybe he had heard whispers and rumors of creatures similar to the countess and was planning to use her to get his revenge upon the nobles of the courtyard. Whatever reason he had, we may never know. However, we do know the results of those actions. A few days later at the courtyard, um, all nobles received a surprising invitation by the ancestor. As a sign of generosity and friendship, he was giving away an entire supply of exotic and decadent wines his family had collected over the years to all members of the courtyard free of cost. He invited them to join him in, his court, in the courtyard gardens to taste a new vintage that had come into his possession. Blinded by their greed and wants, nobles began ordering their servants to collect the wine barrels and the wine crates from the manor and transport them to their mansions and houses in the courtyard. Many accepted the ancestor's invitation to taste this new wine. After all, if the young lord was giving away all the other wine within the family's wine cellar to make room for this new wine, then it has to be really good. Uh, the tasting of this wine made with vampiric blood has caused the members of the courtyard to degenerate even further away from just the societal degeneration into the physical degeneration as well. However, this isn't the end of the ancestor's depravity. The opening cutscene explains that the ancestor found the volumes that described what was beneath the manor and the area around it, but now he needed to actually excavate it. Then came the hag. She was a young, beautiful woman that approached the ancestor when he was studying and offered to study the arts of biology and medicine together. He agreed, but as time went on, their targets became incompatible as he wanted to push further into the ruins and she wanted to experiment. 
She started to experiment on herself, which mutated her both physically and mentally. The ancestor finally got disgusted by what she had become and banished her to the Weld, um, where she was left to her own devices and corrupted and mutated the area. After that, the ancestor says himself that mastery over life and death was the chief among his early pursuits, so he invited various scholars from the world far and wide so he could discuss various forms of magic and learn something new from them. Then, when he finally soaked the last bit of knowledge he could, he proceeded to murder them in their sleep. <laughs> yeah. After the ancestor learned everything he could from the masters themselves and had taken them out of the picture, he came to knowledge that eldritch abominations from the other world can cross to ours. As we see in the game, though, only Shambler is capable to do this on his own. All he needs is a portal to do it. The eldritches that the ancestor was after, however, needed a host, a body they could take after losing their own. He began experimenting with various bodies and kinds of flesh, only to finally find that the closest he can get are the swines. He needed to keep it all shady, though. But it appears fortune smiled on him because as he dug deeper, he discovered the Warrens, a web of tunnels, sprawling mines under the hill, being even below the ruins. As we can see in the quest map, the highest point is the mansion, uh, lower the ruins and darkest dungeon, Warrens, and then Cove and Wild on the outside. He finally had the place to dump the results and failures of his test. Some of the flesh and bodies left over couldn't be disposed, however, as it happened that some of the Eldridges managed to take control over the bodies of horses, probably judging from head and spine parts, and therefore could live and act on their own, and that's how the formless flesh came to life. The swines he experimented on, however, weren't so stupid as he previously thought. Sure, the possessed ones grew to the immeasurable size and became their leaders, but others could even learn how to fight properly and wear armor. They quickly built the society there and started to be such a nuisance that the ancestor basically said, screw it, and wrote them off as a mistake. Then he turned his attention to the remaining corpse of the uh, scholars. He reanimated them, forming many necromancers from their bodies, so dead would raise dead over and over again. Monsters and abominations, however, despite their best knowledge, lacked the morality and started to flood the ruins with reanimated bones. So, with the secret civilization of the swines and dead wandering the ruins, things started to go south a little more than he would wish them to. News and gossip and tales of the whole ancestor undertaking began to circle around the townsfolk. The mysterious toothless prophet arrived to the hamlet to spread the panic and ignited the whole the end is nigh theme. The ancestor had seen that the demonstrations in the town square are dangerously close to turning into a torch and pitchfork event, so he hired as many mercenaries, outlaws, bandits, and cutthroats as he could for them to grasp control in the town and act as militia. He ordered them to take out the prophet. Uh, they tried torture, sticking knives into the back and drowning him, but he came back every time with mementos of the assassination attempts kept to himself. The ancestor finally lost his patience and took him down to show him what he had unearthed and what he plans to do with it. This one had finally done him in. He screamed, tore out his eyes, and spit his tongue out after biting it. He also began wandering the ruins, eventually becoming some sort of god to the cultists. Hiring the mercenaries with questionable reputation has its perks. Not only did the ancestor start to run low on funds, but it also happened that the bandits somehow managed to bring the cannons with them big cannons. They used them to control the region and plunder the town. The roads became dangerous and Hamlet unaccessible, eventually turning into the ghost town 
we see when we first arrive there. Hiring the mercenaries with questionable reputation has its problems. Not only did the ancestors start to run low on funds, but it also happened that the bandits somehow managed to bring the cannons with them. Big cannons. They used them to control the region and plunder the town. The roads became dangerous and Hamlet unaccessible, eventually turning into the ghost town we see when we first arrived there. To solve both problems, the ancestor turned his attention towards the living things under the surface. The cove close to the Hamlet uh, and the waters of the ocean was the home of the ancient fishmen that, that he struck a deal with. For every person that was drowned in these waters, trinkets, babbles, glittering gold, and other forms of commonly accepted wealth appeared on the shore. But the pack also demanded something beyond drowning simple people. The fishermen wanted two things, their idol and a queen. First came fairly easily, the second was an issue until some woman began circling around the ancestor and shadowing his every errand. He had her full trust soon after, and one night, he just led her to the cove, tied her to the idol, and shoved both things down into the water with a loud splash. Another problem was with the estate. The road was now held by the brigands and their cannons so no one could pass. He decided to buy one crew and their ship, promising them a good payment for their efforts. What was needed in town was now arrived from the seaside but the crew wouldn't be working for free. As their demands grew, the ancestor finally cracked and promised them they, they would speak of it the next day. When they slept, he snuck up to their ship and imbued their anchor with every curse he could think of, weighing it down with all of his ambition and hatred. The next day, they sailed out, cursing him when he refused to give them anything for their work. The weight of the anchor, though, turned out to be too much to bear, and down they went. They probably screamed, but no sound escaped the swirling black waters full of death. Now he had everything he finally needed to open up the portal. And so he did, but after witnessing the effects, he was quick to regret. He was the only one to get away to the surface and return to the mansion. Not long after, he finally found himself at the receiving end of torches and pitchforks. As they stormed the manor, he recollected all the events in a single letter, sealed it, put the gun to his head, and fired off. And there we are, in the present time. The heir of the ancestor arrived to the hamlet along with Reynold and Dimas to sort things out and repair the mistakes the ancestor made. It is not known how much time has passed since the letter was sent or how much time passed before all those events, but it is safe to assume it all began at least a year or two before, and the time span between sending the letter and the arrival can't be shorter than a few months at least considering how deep the corruption of the weld is by now and how badly ruined the mansion is, not to mention how the hamlet looks after so much abuse from repeated attacks and sacking. And that's where we start the game. Yeah. We start the darkest dungeon at this point. Yep. You get your letter and you roll up in your carriage. Mm-hmm. And that's where we begin. Um, there's a bunch of... Not a bunch. Very interesting lore for all the characters done in silent comics, which is great. First off, the art style for this game is incredible. Yeah, it's really great. It's gorgeous. It's perfect for the theme of this game. And uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, this game because I'm a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft. And it's very, very Lovecraftian to the point that the studio that made the game is called Red Hook Studios which is based on a, the, the name of Red Hook is based on a Lovecraft story. 
So, like, they're big Lovecraft fans as well, and this game is very, very Lovecraft. Super Lovecraft. And I fucking love it. There's even, the, the, the entire game is narrated by the ancestor, who's a, a man by the name of Wayne June. And right now I'm listening to Wayne June read Lovecraft. It's on Audible. It's fucking incredible. Uh, it's th- the most Lovecraftian game I've ever played without it being called a Lovecraft game. And it, it's great. Uh, they're, they're coming out with, or it might have just dropped, is the most recent DLC for the game is based on the Lovecraft story, The Color of Madness. Did it drop? It might have just, just came out. But Fuck. It, it's based on The Color of Madness. Uh, yeah, which, I remember reading about it. I just didn't know what it was coming out. And I love the story, The Color of Madness. And when people think Lovecraft, most people think Cthulhu. And like maybe Shadow of In's, oh, Shadow Over Innsmouth. Yep. But like stories like The Color of Madness, like those are great stories. Imagine, like, a living, sentient color. That's fucking fascinating. Yeah, it really is. So, yeah, it's super, super interesting and a super great game. Although very difficult. It's not an easy game. It's very... The play style and the play... All the gameplay elements are very based on Dungeons & Dragons. Which was obviously another inspiration for the game. So, it's... A little bit tough if you don't have the mindset for that stuff. Uh, obviously, if you've ever listened to an episode of us, we do. Yeah, Nick and I both play D anD D, so it, it caught caught onto it a little bit more. But still, it's a definitely a great game. And if you want to check out the lore for those characters, like I said, there's comics that are for each character. That there's no word bubbles. There's it's all done through the art, which is really where this game shines. And I'm glad they did it like that. I think they've done every character now. Um, I haven't looked recently. They might have. How many characters are in Darkest Dungeon? That I don't know off the top of my head. I bet you I can find out both of those. It says it came out, it's supposed to, or at least it, it came out June 19th, so it should be out. Yeah, it should have just come out. And if it is, I'm going to fucking scoop it. Scoop it doop. It's only, it says it's only five bucks, so... Yeah, it's Fuck you. I think there's... 13 of them. There's, 13 heroes? No, there's 15 heroes. I think they've only done 13 comics. Oh, okay. No, they've done 15. Abomination, Houndmaster, Arbalist, Antiquarian, Crusader, Plague Doctor, Bounty Hunter, Flagellant, Grave Robber, Jester... Highwayman, Leper, Man-at-Arms, Occultist, Shieldbreaker. No, they haven't done everyone. They didn't do the... Because um, they did some of the DLC ones. They did okay. the Flagellant and yeah. Shieldbreaker. Yeah. But they didn't do the Vestal and the... Uh, whatever the Barbarian class is called. I think just Barbarian. Uh, Hellion. Oh, Hellion. Yeah, so they haven't done the... Bestial and the Hellion, but they did the Flagellant and the Shieldbreaker. So, but still, like I said, they're incredible and it really showcases the art. Yeah. Um, but that's all I got for Darkest Dungeon. Although, I've been playing the game now. Yeah, I should play it again. Because <laughs> it's so fucking good. Um, speaking of games I've been playing, Nick, what have you been playing? 
been playing Splatoon 2. Uh, I finished the main campaign. Oh, so you got the outfit? It was, yeah. Um, it was fun. It was, I don't know, it, was, it was the it was a campaign. Yeah, it was yeah. a campaign. It was very similar to the first one, but I liked the updates. Like yeah. I liked all the grinding, the rail grinding and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I started the Octo. That's a lot more fun. The, in my the Octo expansion, and yeah, it is a lot more fun. I love the whole subway. It's so great. Where you just go up to a terminal and like you have to like pay to go into the level, and then it like yeah. just shoots you out. And you're on a subway, and you take different line. You discover different lines, like on the subway for for the levels. And, and they, if you look at the different lines, each different line has different beings on the train. Yeah, it, it's so cool. Yeah, the train is populated with people, and and they're all deep sea creatures. Yeah, because you're in a subway. Right. I'm just like, this is fucking great. Yeah, no, it's really. I'm really liking it a lot. Um, I've been playing a lot of Hollow Knight. It's pretty fun. I just love the. Just I really enjoying that game. Um, I'm enjoying like not looking up anything because it's very just like go forth and figure shit out. Yeah, and uh, figure out like it, like I said, it's a Metroidvania, so it's like figure out where all the paths lead and the shortcuts. And oh, there's a boss. So you end up randomly at a boss, and then you get your ass kicked, and then you got to go back and get the item you need. Yeah, yeah, figure out how to fight it and stuff like that. So I'm having a lot of fun, and the atmosphere in this game is great. There's a, I just got to a new area where there's a monster that like screams when you when it sees you and it runs at you and then you, when you knock it down it splits in half and then its top half flies at you and when you hit when you kill the top half the bottom half crawls at you Sounds and you kill the crawl and you kill the awful. bottom yeah it's kind of it was cool the first time and then it's kind of getting annoying because you got to kill it like three times but like I was just like holy shit but yeah I love this game I'm really liking that game. Uh, I've been playing Splatoon 2 as well, uh, just grinding out stuff. Uh, just just grinding. I like Splatoon. Uh, I've been playing Fortnite, which I accidentally got into. Uh, I have a coworker. It's cross-compatible. I have a coworker that plays it on Xbox. So uh, I've been having some fun with that. Um, I mean, it's Fortnite. Yeah. I don't need to say a lot about it. It's not the greatest game I've ever played. I don't think it's as great as everyone makes it out to be, but it's really fun to play with my coworker. Right. The so. I've the I've only played it a couple times and I played it with Bro, and every time I played it with Bro, I've had a blast because I'm playing with Bro. Right. But every time I play by myself, I get bored immediately yeah. and turn it off. My coworker gets super triggered and it's great. Yeah. I have been playing the Crash Insane trilogy again. Uh I stand by what I said where it's better to play on the Switch mobily because when you play things on the Switch mobily, it reduces a lot of things because it's got to dial it down for mobile play. Um, and one of the things that it always reduces is frame rate, which was the big problem in the original Insane Trilogy. So I think that the, the best way to play this game is mobile, like on, on like a portable Switch. Yeah. I mean, so, I'm sure, but I'm still not going to pick it back up again. Uh, so I've been having a blast. I've been having a blast playing Crash Bandicoot. It's been super nostalgic for me. It's what it, it's what I wanted from the first one, except not triggering. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the first one was pretty triggering. And then, uh, like I said at the top, I've been playing Darkest Dungeon. Um, I also spent yesterday, uh, which was uh, 4th of July at the time of this recording, so I had the day off. Uh, drinking and playing Call of Duty Zombies with my brother. <laughs> yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I It was really nostalgic as well because uh, back in high school, that's what we used to do all the time minus the drinking. We'd play a bunch of zombies together. 
So I hooked my PlayStation up in uh, our living room, and we just played Zombies all day. It was fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. it. It's like killing Zams. <laughs> killing Zams. Yeah, I remember doing that. Yeah, it was just like I... I used to be really good at Call of Duty Zombies. I'm still pretty fucking good at Call of Duty Zombies. I'm not good at first-person shooters like I used to, mm. but Zombies, for whatever reason, as soon as I start playing, it all comes back. It's, it's just like a rush of like, oh, I know exactly how to play this game. So it was just like became muscle memory. So that's been really fun. Uh, that was a really fun way to spend my day off. Uh, but other than that, I've been playing like a bunch of shit. Uh, Future Fight Corner, they just had the Ant-Man update. They added... Uh, new uniforms for Ant-Man and Wasp. They added two new characters, which is um, the original Wasp and Ghost, who is the villain in the movie. They have the comic book version of Ghost as well as a uniform for Ghost that changes him into a her because the Ghost in the movie is going to be a woman. And uh, they added another uniform for Hank Pym. Oh, they also added Goliath, if you like characters that go big but they added a, <laughs> another uniform for hank pym that turns him into pymtron uh a bunch of new game modes that are basically just rehashed versions of old game modes because netmarble's uncreative uh but yeah it's been fun yeah, yeah. fun update i only got one of the uniforms because i only had the uh built up crystals to get one uniform so i got the ant-man uni the ant-man uni so yeah i'm and it's makes ant-man good so like i was fucking <laughs> down because i've always got a soft spot for that character he's really fun yeah 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 uh so there's that uh there's no dnd corner this week because we didn't play because we it fell on the fourth of july yep so we do it doing party things yeah um we did some pokemon go they we got alolan forms and eggs mm-hmm. um i i have all of them except volpix so um I, so i have the Rattata line, the, the Meowth line, the Grimer line, and the Sandshrew line. I'm missing the Vulpix line. I haven't evolved my Lolan Grimer into a muck yet because I don't have the materials. Uh, I got the Meowth line. I have the uh, Rattata line. Uh, I'm missing the Sandshrew and the Vulpix line. Yeah. Um, this weekend, which I'm sure we'll talk about more next week when it actually happens. They're doing um, Saturday from is it Saturday or Sunday. Saturday from two to three, from two to five is going to be Articuno raids. Is coming back because they did yeah. uh, GoFest and this whole if uh, the world does so many researches, you get um, unlocks. They got a bunch of unlocks, and the final one or one of the final ones was Articuno in a raid. So Articuno is coming back in a raid for three hours, and you have a chance to catch a shiny. Um, so I believe it's going to be the only raid that shows up, like, period. Not, like, just the only legendary raid. Like, I think it's just going to be the only raid you see, period. It's going to be Articuno, and you get, like, five raid passes. And then Sunday is Community Day for July, and it's going to be Squirtle. So you can get some shiny Squirtles. You can get some shiny Blastoise. If you evolve your Blastoise before the Community Day ends, you, it'll learn Hydro Cannon. And there's a chance to get uh, uh, sunglasses on your Squirtle. Get some Squirtle Squad. And they just started a new summer Pikachu event for the month of July, yep. where Pikachus will appear more frequently, and you have the chance to get a Pikachu that's wearing sunglasses and a hat. Yeah. Starting 
tomorrow of this tomorrow of this recording so a week ago yeah um (laughs) a week ago when you hear it but you have till the end of july yeah so um but yeah that's about it for that for that game yeah uh, and I think that's it. Uh, check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, at Navi underscore Tales. Uh, send us pictures of your darkest dungeon. If that means your anus, whatever, dude. I'm not <laughs> judging. Um, until next time, we'll see you then. See you. Love you. You still foolishly consider yourself an entity separate from the whole, but I know better. And I... Fuck. Do you now? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I dabble. Only when they're willing. <clears throat> you still foolishly consider yourself an entity separate from the whole, but I know better. And I will show you. The fuck? A <laughs> <laughs> little bubble there. Why am I losing my voice? Is it because I read My Immortal yesterday? You read seven chapters of My Immortal. And now I just can't talk. During a lavish party, he was host at his... Why do I get the ones that are just all (laughs) fucked up, man? (laughs) Fuck. During a lavish party, uh, he was hosting... Okay. The morbid encounter resolved itself in the ancestor's favor, and with Countess laying decapitated on cold stone floor on... (laughs) Sweet with the Countess. Yeah. And on the cold stone floor. <laughs> it's okay, we don't need those words. What's a the? For years he <clears throat> for years he was forced to partake forced yeah. I fixed it myself and then it wasn't even And then you got all nervous. Um I got a paragraph here, but I'll do it from memory. <laughs> After that, the ancestor says After that the ancestor says himself that mastery over life and death mm, Sure, they pos- the pos- mm. <laughs> Then he turned his attention to the remaining corpus. Mm. Corpus. Corpus. Tell me more about these corpus. Oh, these corpus. Very nice. Corpus, corpus Christi. Buy one, get one half off. Shout out to Texas. As they stormed the manor, he recollect. It's recollected. I know, I just said it weird. He reanimated them, forming menos. Meno- he made menos. He just made minnows. This is where it stops. <laughs> it. Now he's official mancer. Heck.